to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right. Happy 2019. We are here on February 24th. Uh, this is our this is our fifteenth or sixteenth episode sixteenth episode yeah. of the Old Grad Podcast, and we're here with our good friend and uh, wonderful classmate John Abercrombie. John, are you there? I am, Jamie. How are you? Awesome. Well, welcome to the Old Grad Podcast. Thank you. Thank uh, so you. excited to have you on this call. I've been, you know, your name has come up so many times as somebody that we want to have on this podcast uh, for a variety of reasons, but um, not the least of which was the amazing. Uh, the, the amazing football season that we just had and constantly hearing the word Abercrombie, Abercrombie, uh, <laughs> during the whole season. So, um, John, John is, uh, John hails from, uh, from Arizona. Uh, and where, where are you in Arizona, John? I am in, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. uh Phoenix, Arizona, originally from Richland, Washington, uh, mm-hmm. Currently a State Farm agent uh, in Phoenix, and you've got three boys, right? I do, I do. Yeah. So, so here's. By the way, I think it's helpful. We kind of have developed a little bit of best practices, having done this now 15 times. It's helpful to to. It's helpful for us to have kind of like a, a roadmap for how we're going to talk tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what I'd love to do is be able to talk about like the here and now, what's going on in your life, and talk about your sons, talk about West Point and the experience that they're having there, and then uh, mm-hmm. let's go all the way back to the beginning and tell tell a story about you know what it was like for you deciding to go to West mm-hmm. Point, and then we'll kind of chronologically come back up to present day. So that'll be the our intention in terms of the the uh, the conversation. See how see how that all goes. Right. What I found before, right. sometimes we just bounce around and it turns into a shit show because people, <laughs> people are throwing comments out there and uh, on Facebook and, and you have to respond to them. So, um, right. this, so John, you have not, we, we, uh, we did a little pre-call. You have not heard a podcast yeah. yet, right? This, I have not. I've been unable to do that so far. Okay. Okay. Well, so you're, you're going to be hearing this for the first time then, or, or doing this for the first time, um, doing this podcast. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I gave you, or I will give you the link for the, um, for this Podbean, which is an app that you mm-hmm. can download and listen to it. So that's that's what I think most people are listening to it on. Some listen to it live on Facebook, which is great because we get the real live comments and you know right. get to react to the comments and, and whatnot. But um, it is uh, it is helpful to um, to be able to listen to it uh, like after the podcast, like you know live, mm-hmm. because then you can. Um, then you can um, you can fast forward it. You can you know you can you can right. you know jump around. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. I've been I had been trying to listen through Facebook and and failing repeatedly, but every time I've seen it come up, I want to be I want to listen to it, and now I'm just happy to be a part of it. So yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good time. So 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 you're in Phoenix. Are you actually in Phoenix, Phoenix, or are you like I in- am? I'm in um, I'm in south part of Phoenix. People who know Phoenix, it's we call it Alatuki. It's just the it's South Phoenix if you've lived here for a long time. But uh, love the area, and my uh, office, my business is in uh, North Central Phoenix. So basically, uh, right up the Central Corridor. And you've been there for a pretty long time, right? It's like like fifteen uh, years or so. Yeah, about fifteen years. Yeah. 
How, how do you like those hot it. summers? I guess, I'm a, I guess I'm a Phoenician now. <laughs> how about those hot summers? Oh, absolutely brutal. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about Phoenix is it's hot and it's hot everywhere. Uh, not a big deal. The only, the thing I don't like about Phoenix is, you know, a hundred degree day is a hundred degree day. When it's August, I'm okay with it. When it's September, I'm less okay with it. But when it's October and it's still a hundred degrees, it's like, Hey, we get it. Can we just be done and get to the decent weather? So, but you, you can survive. I had a customer out there. I used to go out there to see these guys that were in the printed circuit board business out there. And, uh, I used to go out there. I, I would generally only go in the winter because it was so brutally, <laughs> it was so brutally hot in the summertime, but. Well, there's uh, no humidity either, right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like a dry heat. That, that, yeah, that's yeah, the, that's like the skeleton. It's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> just like the skeleton said, right? Yeah. I I was talking to Muso George, talking about you know the heat over in Iraq, <laughs> and he's he's saying yeah, it's kind of like uh, kind of like <laughs> kind of like opening up your oven, <laughs> and <it's, laughs> somebody's got like a a, a hair dryer. <laughs> yeah. right uh, in your face and and throwing sand through the back of it like hitting you in, <laughs> hitting you in the face with sand so okay, get a little yeah. so so we have a couple classmates that have joined us on this uh on this podcast so we got brad woods john palcisco um i see there's seven people that are co- they're co- currently logged in looking eight, at a, eight, eight right now i can't yeah. see who they i can't see who they are though i can't see who the you can't see who it is I uh we see. have uh paul I don't have my glasses, so if I butcher any names, yeah. I apologize. Um, we have Paul. I'll, first names: Paul, Andrew, David. That's not going to help. We need last names. Uh, Just butcher the last name. Let's hear it. Small check. Small check. Hall. Yeah. Andrew Hall. All right. David yeah. Peak. Brad Woods. Uh, is it Michelle? Carol? Is it Michelle? Uh, I, I don't know. Carol Laughlin. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Mishi. 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 That's Mishi right. I don't know. Yeah, it was an abbreviation. Yeah. Uh, Alex Rogers. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I'm Brent, Brent, uh, Brent Crabtree. Crabtree, yeah. And uh, Brian Z- Z- Zug? Zweig? Brian uh, Zweig, yeah. Zweig? Yeah. yeah. So, so, those, so I wonder, like, tonight's a big night. I, I'm hoping that we're going to have enough bandwidth because, you know, tonight's like the Oscars night, right? I didn't, yes. yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that because, um, you know, like, the, the night before the election was big because everybody's using bandwidth. I don't know if they're, like, the Oscars, but my house right now is like the Super Bowl. I know. I, I like, <laughs> I left... My wife is so into this shit. She's got like she's got all the, all the stuff spread out. They got like their little, um, you know, like because everybody's betting on who's get, who's going to get what award. She's watched every wow. damn movie. She's so into this. It's, <laughs> I can't. I came down like run around like you know, go team, go team. I'm, yeah. I'm going out to go do the old grad podcast. Yeah. I abandoned my son. Mm-hmm. My son Luke's there all alone with a bunch of ladies. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. big night. Not my night, so hopefully we got the bandwidth and we can do this. Yeah, hopefully we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> We're live and large and in charge, so the airwaves right. are yours, guys. So here's what's amazing about John, uh, Joe, is that he's got three boys. Uh, one is a senior at West Point. He was the he was the kicker, the the star kicker for the for the for the football team this year. Right. He's got another son who is a junior, which they call a cow there at West Point. Right. And then he's got another son who's got a letter of assurance to come in in the incoming class of 20, what is it, 23, I think. Right. 23, yeah. Yeah, 2023. 20, yeah. yeah, so uh, uh, so three for, three for three. That's, uh, I mean, no pressure, but that's pretty amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good guys. They've, they've worked their tails off, and, uh, yeah, I... 
I would like to take more of the credit, but uh, mostly their mom's genes and me staying out of the way, I think. So. <laughs> how, how often how often do you get there to see, like, these games and, you know, like to see the boys? Um, you know, I, I had some health issues uh, a couple years back, and so wasn't getting out as, as often as I did. I think this year I made four games and was able to watch all except for the Oklahoma game, uh, which was the first game he started, but uh, was able to see them all and get to, you know, probably about half, almost half of the ones he played in. So that was nice, got that, and then was uh, out there another time earlier this year just visiting. So getting out there a little bit more, um, and it's so fun, it's so different, um, where I remember – as a cadet getting on nine W and it was the absolute worst feeling in the world. Uh, and the closer you got to school, the worse it got. And now it is the complete opposite. I love to go back, you know, it just, it recharges my batteries. I never thought I'd say that about the place, but, uh, right. I get back whenever, whenever I can now. So yeah. That's what Ted Russ was saying. Ted Russ was one of my guests on this, and and mm-hmm. uh, he wrote a book. I don't know if you've if you've heard about mm-hmm. this book called yeah, Spirit Mission, it. And, and he's a real deep guy, very reflective, and you know, smart. And he um, he talked about how when he was a cadet, he couldn't, he just couldn't stand the place. But now, mm-hmm. you know, years later, you just want to go back. And um, I think that's the that's the way for everybody, you know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a formative experience, and we we forged just such awesome relationships and. Um, you know, like what other institutions are there where you spend this, you know, four years going through this very, very common experience. We kind of all went through, you know, we all got our, all got our, you know, butts kicked and chewed out and we all ended up, uh, you know, <laughs> sleeping out in the, in the, in the rain and, you know, having to go into the army and it, like no other institution has that. We've got, we all have about a seven, a minimum of like seven to 10 year common experience at this very mm-hmm. formative time in our, in our lives. And that's what I think helps to drive this very strong relationship that you have with, with, with your classmates. I think the next sure. closest thing would have been animal house. Yeah. Well, it kind of was animal house. In <laughs> so. fact, one of the company's names was animal house. Oh I really? Think. Yeah. yeah. There's a few, there's a few of those animal house. There's good stories about animal house. So, but John, so just look, since this is your first podcast and I, mm-hmm. I try to remind ourselves every time, like what the purpose of this thing is, um, we, you, you know, I'm the class giving officer. So, you know, th- mm-hmm. this was kind of like, th- this idea was kind of discovered by accident. I was calling people talking about fundraising. So wouldn't it be and every time was a good relation, a good sort of like, um, conversation where you would be like, you right. know, catching up. It's like, wouldn't it be great if we could just, you know, replicate this? So um, we were talking before, and I don't know how much got cut out here, but you were mentioning how much, as, as a cadet, you hated going up Route 9W because you knew you were going back to West Point, but now you go up there with anticipation. It's just like, you know, like you're getting all pumped up driving up there to see your see your boys, mm-hmm. but see West Point too. And uh, so now tell me, um, John, he always want to go to West Point, or did he – how did that happen? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So – he, um, when he was a senior in high school, he was kicking and um, had been to a few camps and got a letter from West Point. And up to that time, he'd never really expressed a lot of interest about going. But when I when he got the letter, I asked him, "Hey, is this something you'd think about doing?" And he he said, "Yeah." And so, having some familiarity with the process and knowing where we were 
in the year. It was fairly late in the fall. Um, I called the congressperson's office and it's like, Hey, if we you know need a nomination, when, when is everything due? And this was like a Monday or a Tuesday. Uh, everything was due Friday. So we, um, you know, pulled a couple all nighters, called whoever we could, got, uh, letters and everything in. And, uh, he did very well in his congressional interview. He was, he was a very good student. And so he, uh, got an offer and, uh, headed up to West Point. And then, uh, while he's there, was there in the last probably year or two, <clears throat> uh, we, got a letter from his second or third grade teacher. I can't remember. And they had done a project when they were little where they were supposed to write a letter to their future selves. And he had, he got his letter and it said, you know, you know, future me, you're now 21 years old. Is it fun being whatever? Um, you know, I'm, I just graduated from West point and I'm, you know, doing whatever. And, uh, it was kind of neat. Uh, and I asked him, you know, it's like, is this something that you always wanted to do? And he was like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not sure, but it was like the only college that I knew since, you know, you and my mom were both grads. So, um, maybe not in the forefront of his mind, but, uh, you know, that's what he knew about college. And so that's where he ended up. I think. Wow. And hats off to that teacher, right? Because I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty awesome thing to have them write these letters and then mail them back to them 10 years later. I mean, to hold on yeah. to this thing. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, it, like that's a, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty great thing that that teacher did. Yeah. Committed. Yeah. Very committed. teacher. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you know, and find, and to be able to find the kids 10 years later. So yeah, it was, it was pretty, I was thankful for that. That's for sure. So what company is your, is your son in? Uh, he is in I one. I one. So, so I don't like my own kid because he's in first reg. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, he wasn't always in first reg, right? Anybody scrambled in the first reg? No, they they really didn't. He's been there the whole time. Every you know, every year or so, there's a rumor that it may be the scramble year, but they they yeah. never scramble. And my my cow, he is in I three, which is the company that his mother ended up graduating from. So okay, I, is I beam is it I beam? No. Uh, he's a polar bear. polar bear, right? right. Polar bears, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So, so your wife was in uh, I3 as well. She's the class of 93. Right. She was yeah. in C4 for her first two years, and then her last two, she was in I3. Okay. And then your, your, your younger son's name is James, right? Your middle son? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he, he's, he's not a football player? He's not a football player. He's, uh, he's a proud uh, company guy. Okay. <laughs> and you said that's what you were too. You, I, you, I, for some reason, I, I had in my head that you were a soccer player, but I guess you, um, I was mistaken. Yeah, played soccer at the prep school, and you know, loved it. But that was that was. I, I realized once I got to West Point that those guys were really good, and the keepers were all tall and mm-hmm. very good. So. Mm-hmm. And Benjamin is your is your youngest son. He's a senior in high mm-hmm. school. He's most mm-hmm. likely going to be going there next year. So that'll be yeah. That's what we're that's what we're hoping, and he he is not getting recruited for football, but he broke all his basically almost all of his brother's records. So oh, you know, if, cool. if he if he gets a shot, uh, I I would love to see him out there too. That would be great. That would be awesome. So if Coach Munkin's listening to this, you know, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> 
That is great. So, you know, you're a State Farm agent, and in, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit on the on the pre-call and in the show notes. You know, it's it's a really it's it's kind of like a a calling that that mm-hmm. that um that profession for you. And you say that it's you know it's, it's it gives you great purpose, and you've had experiences where you've really been able to counsel people and help them make the right decisions about risk management that has, you mm-hmm. know, paid, paid out like, in, like you, where things have worked out because you, you set people up. So, um, right. so tell me a little bit about that. You said also like ethics and, and, uh, the, the background <laughs> of being a West Pointer really helps you a lot in that role. Yeah, it was, it was, um, really interesting for me. Um, when I was, I had gotten out, and was working at General Mills, which I great, great job. I loved it. Uh, ran a few of the larger cereal businesses, um, Lucky Charms Tricks, which was very fun when you have little kids. And mm-hmm. uh, ran the Wheaties business for a year, which was very fun when you're an adult. But, um, you know, I always knew that I kind of wanted to work for myself, kind of like my grandparents had done. And so I had started to, I had a neighbor who was a, auto dealer. So I had gotten into the Chrysler dealer development program. And while in that program, my wife said, Hey, if we're going to do this, it's going to be a family thing. And so she went to work at a car dealership and lasted about a month and said it was the worst thing she'd ever done. She hated it. (laughs) She was done. And so our realtor, um, he had a friend who was open in a state farm agency. And so she's like, I'm going to do something. So she went and worked at the state farm agency and she did a great job. She stood out and they started recruiting her to get her own agency. And so, uh, she started bringing home all this material and I was looking at it and I changed my mind and I said, Hey, well, let's, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of interesting for me was, I loved being in the army. I loved a job that had a purpose, you know, protecting and defending the constitution. And then when I was at general mills, I loved it. I made more money. I went to the super bowl. I, you know, had, you know, lucky and the tricks rabbit at my kids' birthday parties and things like that. But <laughs> That's it, cool. was, <laughs> it was little kids love that when their dad can bring home the tricks rabbit. But right, right. It wasn't, it wasn't meaningful. I always tell people, you know, the world could go another, 74 or 75 years without a new breakfast cereal and they'd still be okay. You know, obviously everybody needs it and you know, we got to make money, but you know, I wanted something where I could actually make a difference in people's lives. And it's something that I've been able to do. There's the day to day of, you know, you know, everybody's got to have auto insurance, homeowners insurance, but you know, being able to deliver a, you know, a seven figure, um, you know, check to, you know, a widower with a special needs kid, um, is, you know, is kind of a a neat thing. In fact, my next door neighbor, her, she lost her husband and we had written a, written a pretty large uh, policy on him. And so, you know, she's still in her house and, you know, and it's things like that. It's not the, you know, the everyday, um, you know, Ooh, we wrote three new cars today or something, you know, it's, being able to actually help people and, and, and make a difference in their lives. So, yeah. uh, it, which, which, you know, gave me back that purpose. So, and you kind of mentioned ethics. We, we were, uh, you were talking about how has West Point influenced you and how does it influence you in your day to day? And, you know, it's funny, we have every year, um, we do our annual compliance and they talk about how different people, 
you know, have messed up over the year. And some of the things that you see people do, you know, that are so elementary to us, you know, it's signing someone else's signature or, uh, you know, changing stats to make things, you know, look better and look different. And, you know, they're, they're just not things that we as a group do. And so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting. I laugh, but, um, you know, based on things like the, uh, you know, Wells Fargo opening millions and millions of accounts, it, it happens out there, but that's why we need leaders of character. So they have like an annual thing where they like, they list like all the, it's almost like a, like a rap sheet or like the funny papers, like all like cadet X, <laughs> cadet X, did X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it's neat because they work the vignettes into the, you know, into these you know, training sessions. And so you see these people and you're just like, you know, really that's, you know, what was your thought process behind that? But yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, our office, we like, you know, we do things the right way and I bring in people who do things the right way. And if they don't, they don't stick around. They don't, they don't fit the culture very well. It so. occurs to me that there's a similarity. Uh, you were just saying before, like, you know, there's a gratifying experience if you can help somebody in, in, in need because you prepared them and then the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the unthinkable happens yet they've, they have through your you know counseling, they have thought through it and then they have been able to be prepared. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like going to war a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I mean like, it, it, like, and, and not to, not to, I mean, that's about where it stops the similarity. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, but it, you know, like, you hope that they never comes, but if the day comes, you're going to be prepared. And I think right. that maybe that mentality from your military experience, maybe that, that does connect a little bit to your uh, experience professionally. The, uh, the, the, the analogy I always like to, to use is like, if you're, if you're a jumper, if you jump, um, you can't check your parachute after you've left the airplane. You have to have everything done in the event that something, you know, that something happens so that you're ready to go that, you know, so we like to prepare folks in advance and, you know, it's talking to people about their spouse or somebody else not being there is hard. You know, I use my experience having lost my, my wife, you know, to kind of ease it a little bit, but you know, it happens, it happens, you know, it's happened to our classmates and, you know, it happened to me and, you know, so people have to, uh, you know, realistically think about it. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I don't know if this is the right point to jump into it, but I mean, tragically, Shannon passed away uh, about twelve years ago. Your your, your wife mm-hmm. Shannon, and mm-hmm. um, you know, left you with, at the time, uh, three young boys, nine, seven, and four. And uh, mm-hmm. what an ama- like you said, like in terms of accomplishments, um, that's your number one, right? I mean, basically, not not yeah. like you know, be, being faced with that that unthinkable tragedy and then to be able to raise three amazing young men like you have, um, and to do it, um, the way that you have is, is, it's just so, um, admirable. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in awe of what you've done and, and your, uh, your journey has been, I think, harrowing at times, but you know, I think <laughs> clearly, I mean, wow, unbelievable. Um, yeah. so, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so since since we're on that subject, let, let's just kind of walk back. Maybe let's talk about. So you you got the two of you were she's she's class of ninety three. We're gonna tell, we'll talk a little bit more about you know the earlier years because she was in your company. Right. But so she's class of ninety three. Did you guys date when when you were cadets or it was in the okay. army? We did not. We we never dated as cadets. In fact, uh, I took my future sister-in-law to 500th night, which which created a lot of issues uh, later uh, on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Hold on. We have to back this up, right? All right. And, and again, here, here we are. We're jumping around. We're not really going with our chronology we talked about. But here's the thing. So you were a cow in her company mm-hmm. when she was a plebe, right? Cow is right. 500th night. So she's right. some young plebe. Yeah. And so how is it that you take a plebe's older sister <laughs> who later becomes well, your wife, but... How do you take her older <laughs> sister? So your future sister-in-law, you took the five hundredth night. Yeah. So. All right, that is crazy. Let's, let's just let's 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 pause for a second and think uh-huh. about that. So your wife's is, was she older or younger? This, this she was this her older sister. Older sister. Her older sister. So, yeah. so like your age, kind of like our age, kind of. We're 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 about we're about the same age. About the so same. So okay. Kind of what happened is, um, I think there were only three or four plebe women in our company and one of them was my plebe so I had to go over there for room inspection and I was inspecting the room and uh, Shannon had a picture of her sister but wait, her wait, wait, was she your plebe she was not my plebe Probably okay. I was inspecting somebody else and she was one of the other two plebes in that room oh so you had a so, female um, you had, one, one, one of the other female cadets was your plebe that you was, was responsible okay. yeah. I got you yeah and so she had her three knickknacks on her desk one of which was a picture of her sister and very cute picture so I uh, asked her who that was and she said it was her sister and I don't know how it came out but her sister was there that weekend uh, visiting it was you know I don't know Sometime during Reorgy week or early in the in the fall, she might have been up for a football game or something. And so, um, you know, she told me we, you know, I met Kim. Uh, we went to, we went to Ike Hall and hung out. We had you know had a fairly decent time and uh, decided, well, I'll, I'll invite her to five hundred night. So, uh, ended up inviting her to five hundred night. Uh, I double dated with Scott Smith and, and a young lady from A four and. You know, we went to the city and had a good time, and uh, I don't think that uh, my future sister-in-law had as great a time. I always try to tell people, you know, West Point formal dances are very different on the inside than they are from the outside. It's not so much about your date. It's you and your classmates and celebrating whatever that event is, and unfortunately, um, sometimes our dates were... Um, more peripheral to the activities, but uh, we um, we didn't go out anymore after that. And uh, and you know, I'd known Shannon, and when so she, she got felt like you, she felt like you kind of blew her off, like like hey, like you invited me to this dance, and like you're hanging her out with all your buddies, kind of a thing. Is that right? Pretty I, much. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. that that's never happened before, but okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it. But uh, not dating her worked out very well for me, so I can't. Go well, obviously, yeah. So, so then, so then, so she just said, oh, "Well, you know, away with you." Like, you know, um, I'm, I have no interest in you. And, away with you, yeah. Be gone, <laughs> but, yeah. And where, where, was, where, where was she from? 
Uh, they were from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So she flew out for 500th night to see? Flew out for 500th mm-hmm. night, yeah. And then was sorely disappointed that it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, I guess like a fairy tale or something. Did she come what up it on, looked like from the outside. Did she come up with one of those buses like from Newark Airport or something with all the other girls? <laughs> probably. No, because no, that, ha- that happened, Joe. Like, they would bus these, like all these dates would come in like, oh, there's a there's a bus for the. For, like, right, mm-hmm. a charter you know, bus, the, yeah. A charter bus for the dates. So it was this bizarre experience. Like all these <laughs> girls that don't know each other. Are right. all going up to West Point to go, see, uh, and, and I guess there's probably maybe there's a guy or two that was going to see a female cadet. I don't know. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I had a great story. You know, um, we did this. Uh, we, we we had this awesome boondoggle. We called it Friar Palooza down at uh, down in, down at uh, Dominican Republic, and I was talking oh, to nice. our classmate. Yeah, so we just did it two weeks ago or three weeks, ago, uh, maybe four weeks ago now. In January for MLK weekend, it was it was just uh-huh. magnificent. It was, and we we talked a lot about this whole thing about the whole experience of um, you know being a female cadet. We had three of our four you know West uh, F one sisters were there. So Stephanie Southerd, uh, Libby Boggs, uh-huh. and Sharon DeCrane were all there, and we were talking about this whole issue about like dating um, among among West Pointers. And so Stephanie came into West Point with a civilian boyfriend, and and so. She she was talking about that, like how hard that was for him, because um, first of all, you're in this like ten to one ratio, like, right, like right. You know, there's there's no shortage of attention if you're a female cadet, at least back in the day for it's us. It's like throwing a a, a skinned cow into a lion's <laughs> den. Yeah, it totally was. It to- <laughs> it completely was. But for but for a civilian boyfriend whose girlfriend is at West Point. Not like, saying she was a cow or anything. No, no, no. no, she, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not implying that. Yeah, well, actually, well, I mean, as, as they called juniors their cows. By, yeah, by well, the way. Okay. yeah. So she, but was anyway, point. it was um, it was just an interesting thing, like just hearing the whole story. Like she was just like, this poor guy had no. There's just no way that you could stay in a relationship. Did with they it. stay together? Right. No. Yeah. And how no. can you oh, compete? Okay. I mean, there are so many just people who are just studs there. I mean, if you're if I you're know. not. Supremely confident in yourself. No, no, I'm telling you. I mean, like you, you have no. I mean, just a normal dude like you know me. Forget it, man. But I'll tell you what, though, I did bring Laura Fecko to the um, plea parent weekend because I was the first one to ask her. What do you mean, dude? Like you? What's wrong with you? I mean, come on, Jamie. You're a good looking guy. You know. I mean, you didn't. You didn't look like me when you were in West Point. Yeah. I, I just I, I just remember I just cornered the poor Laura Fecko, company E one. I so like I just cornered her. I say, Would you would you go to plea parent Mekon with me? And I, and she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh and so then um so we went to plea parent weekend, but there was that was a very um sort of platonic uh relationship. And, Does this still uh, happen with the women that like you say come into Newark Airport, you, they all get on the charter? They get on the bus, yeah. They just all so, go up on the bus, but it's gotta be a bizarre situation. Like you're sitting you don't know anybody right. in this bus. And you're going. They're up there. all going to the same event. God yeah. forbid, word travels out to them, and they hear about how the awkward this is. Someone's gonna smarten <laughs> up sooner or later. And say, "Hey, ladies, I don't know about you, but it's either Chippendales or this dance. So where are we going? Yeah, well, New well, York. I think it's better. It's better now because if I remember, please here they used to bring, you know, just busloads of girls up to the, uh, what the Cullum Hall for yeah. all, all the plebe dances. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. They they would they they would they they bring they would just bust them in. They bust them. Well, in. Well, had it been awkward for any females, well, well yeah. female cadet or members would have 
Yeah, uh, boyfriend. Well, that's what, that uh, was the point that Stephanie's like. There's like there's no way a civilian guy well, how, is going to show up and do, like. Do you know they, of any guys that came and sh- uh, females that weren't paying attention to them at this event, where it was awkward for oh, them? I don't know. Yeah, you know that's uh, interesting. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think a lot of guys would have just would have would have come. I mean, there's just. The the ratio already is so incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they know. They yeah. Know. They, well, and then on top on top of that, you've a got guy this in a cattle car. Yeah, yeah. right. There's just no way. <laughs> Imagine the guy be, being that guy in a cattle car, like you, you hitting, hitting on all the women. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Now, now the ratio is reversed. Yeah. So he used to call those, it's on his, in his favor. He used so. to call those guys Jody. Jody would be like the like the there's like the the name for like the guy that's always going after your girlfriend. Like, yeah, like Jody. Yeah. Jody. Yeah, so Jody this and Jody that. So it was, so where were we? So it's five hundred night didn't work out with. Uh, no. It was Kim that was her name. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So then, um, so then later later in the army, I guess you and Shannon uh, reconnect, right? We we did, yeah. So she, I was stationed at Fort Hood, and uh, she came. It was I didn't I didn't know she was there. I, you know I hadn't spoken to her in probably two years. Uh, she got there. We reconnected through somebody who might've been in my, one of her classmates who might've been in my battalion. And, you know, it, that was, that was it. You know, I was, I was pretty much off the market. And then the whole 500th night thing uh, came back up again because we were, we were very serious. We knew we were going to get married. Um, her parents were in the air force. And so they were going to go from, Albuquerque to England. So she's like, well, we need to go and meet my parents and everything else. Well, unbeknownst to me, uh, Kim had, I guess, thought that we were going to have some sort of whirlwind romance and we were going to be together forever. So when I got there, she had told her parents that I was really madly in love with her and was just Using Shannon to Ooh. get back at her, try, try, so, drilling some holes so, in your boat, drilling some holes yeah. in your boat, huh? So you had some, you had some bailing out a, to do. It was an awkward weekend. I would and, say uh, so. Yeah. And when we got ready to leave, so I was, you know, we went by, we stopped by the house, and you know, I, you know, thanked her mom for having us, and she's like, "Okay, well, I guess I'll never see you in Albuquerque again. Goodbye." And so, uh, whoa, yeah. A little bit of a rocky start to our relationship, but uh, having grandkids has kind of righted that boat a little bit. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> so, so your 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 father in law was a career Air Force. He was, yeah, he was. Um, I think he was a, he retired as an E eight or an E nine mm-hmm. in the Air Force, and yeah, good good guy. Good that, guy. That must have made lot. must have made that family very very proud when Shannon went to West Point. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So Shannon, I I just saw, you know Jeff Simpson commented that she was a gospel singer and was had an amazing voice. Shannon, that's what mm-hmm. he said. Oh yeah, that was m- most people who know her or know of her knew her singing, and she was absolutely incredible. Were you in the gospel choir as well? I was not. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, so yeah, they <laughs> they'd have probably thrown me out. <laughs> so so then so you so. Did you happen to both be in the same? Because um, you're a field artillery officer, and you're, mm-hmm. you're do you happen to both end up in the same post? Is that what happened? Yeah, we just happened to end up at the same post, and so that worked out. 
And, um, you know, in the kind of the same thing, once we uh, left Hood, we went to Bragg and the same kind of thing where, you know, we have ordinance folks there bringing us bullets and, you know, we usually didn't have to worry about having what we needed for uh, any uh, any qualification or anything we had. So mm-hmm. it was good having somebody on the other side. So you went to Bragg after the advanced course? So you went to the advanced I course? Did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then so she so you're in Bragg and and uh, were you a company commander there or battery I didn't, commander? I was, I was getting I was getting ready to take battery command, and um, because she was two years behind, she was getting ready to leave for the advanced course. And at that time, they didn't have the Army Married Couples program like they do now, or you know they didn't do as good a job keeping couples together. So they said she was going to go to the advanced course but they wouldn't guarantee that she was going to come back to brag. And so we kind of sat down and we're like, okay, you know, I'm going to command. Then you're going to have to go somewhere in command. I'm going to have to get a branch qualifying job as a major at CGSC. And we were just like, this isn't going to work. And if they're not going to work with us any more than this, uh, we're, you know, going to decide to get out. And, and you, know, you had, to, you had two thing, kids, you had two kids in tow, right? At this point, we had two kids at the time. So, so uh, kids were born both at brag. Uh huh. John and James were both born at the Womack Hospital. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And so, did you? So, so you, this must be like what year eight or nine for you or something? Or yeah, right. Yeah, right around eight. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which is because I got out in either I think it was December '98 with maybe my ETS date February or something like that of '99, or it was '97, '98, one of those. But I think that was about right. And did she get out at the same time? She got out at the same time, and we that's when we moved to Minneapolis. Actually, funny story, I actually lived in my, when I got out, we were, my parents were in South Carolina, so I actually moved home <laughs> to my parents' house and lived in their basement for about a month. So Nice. <laughs> with, both, with both boys? With, yeah, a wife and two kids. So, so that's kind of, I mean, like, Army transition, we always, we talk about that as like probably one of the kind of big fundamental experiences and you tend to underestimate how significant that's going to be for you emotionally. Uh, It's kind of a double whammy when your spouse is going through the same transition, I would think, right? I mean, or or Mm -hmm. maybe it was better that you were there for each other and you can kind of process that together. The, The big challenge for us was we kind of had to figure out who was going to, um, if with in the job hunt, if somebody got a great job, who was going to take the lead? And, you know, we were going to go there and the other person was going to have to find work. Cause we both went through Cameron Brooks. We went through the hiring conference and, you know, did well. And there were a couple job, there were a couple places, companies that would have hired us both. But, um, I had a, my opportunity with general mills and, uh, you know, follow up interviews with Kraft, And so we were like, okay, brand manager jobs are pretty darn good we'll do that. And so she kind of, uh, you know, had to follow me and find something to do in Minneapolis when we got there. And so what did she ended up doing? She ended up working, um, for the, uh, county in, 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 uh, Minneapolis, Hennepin County, uh, and actually worked for Amy Klobuchar, um, doing, gosh, I can't remember. She had done, you know, she, I think she was, a uh, in the, maybe the county attorney's office or something like that at the time. But yeah, kind of interesting. 
So then how'd you guys end up in Phoenix after that? I mean, so you, you, you had a great experience in craft. You're like, you know, back and forth with the whole, um, you know, jet, jet setting around and all that kind of stuff. But then you decided mm-hmm. to, to go to Phoenix, I think, right? Yeah. So that's what, when I decided to go into the Chrysler dealer development program, I, I said, Hey, I need to start putting some more money away. So we, uh, left General Mills, went to, or started working at ConAgra Foods in Omaha, Nebraska, which was, you know, we were able to sell our house and get something a lot cheaper. And so when we, we were there, that's when Shannon started getting recruited to be a state farm agent. And, we, you know, I said, okay, you followed me. And so I'll follow you. Uh, Cause she was probably about six months ahead of me in the process. And her family was in Phoenix at the time. And so she said, Hey, I want to go to Phoenix. And I'm like, I I'm, I'm all for that. Actually uh, we moved out here and, I was still back in Omaha working. So she was looking for houses and she had me, oh, I've got a few houses I want you to look at, fly on out and do it. So I fly out, we're looking at houses. I think we're looking at houses. Um, I, I look, we see what we like. Uh, I figure we're going to talk about it when we get home. When I land in Omaha, you know, turn on my cell phone to give her a call and ask her what, you know, what she thinks. We had already purchased a home, so eh. I, it worked out. And, and so, and then her family was still in Albuquerque, right? So that was, it was, they were in Phoenix by this time. They had already gone, did their time in uh, England. He retired and they came and lived out here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, um, she's, as you mentioned, she was the one that, that you guys looking at doing a Chrysler dealership or something. And then, and we were yet, going to, but it ended up being both being state farm agents. Mm-hmm. And so you were working together as state farm agents. We actually had, each had our own separate agency. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. So then, so then um, we were, I mean, so tragically she passed away in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so the, you were saying that, you know, it was an early morning, you got up to uh, watch the World Cup that day, right? Yeah, so it was uh, it was in June. Uh, World Cup was in Asia somewhere, so we were getting up really early to watch games. And uh, woke up. I said something to her, wake her up for the game, and and she said something, and her words were kind of slurred. And I thought it was because she had, um, you know, she was laying on the pillow, and so I kind of shook her a little bit to kind of wake her up, and she wasn't real responsive, and um, she didn't look to be moving all that well. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, you're, you're kind of concerning me, you know, you know, move, move your leg, move your arm. And, um, and only, you know, half everybody was moving. I'm like, okay, you need to move your right side or I'm calling an ambulance. And she, she couldn't. And, um, so I call the ambulance, I call 911 and I'm like, okay, um, you know, here's my address, my wife, she's 35 year old, she's 35 years old. She's having a stroke. And they're like, oh, are you sure? 35? I'm like, look, I, I know what a stroke is. Just, just get here in the ambulance. And they came and uh, they took her away. Um, it was early, early enough in the morning that the, and in the summer, so the boys weren't awake. They came in. They got her. They took her out, rushed her to the, uh, rushed her to the hospital. So boys are still and asleep? Boys are still asleep? Boy, boys are still asleep at this point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, we had a nanny at the time, so she was able to, Stay you know, there to with look the after. Right. Yes. But, you know, we're in the hospital. 
that day. And, you know, I, I would say she did not have a sense of humor. She was not a funny person, <laughs> but that day, for whatever reason, she was, you know, she was fairly light and, and, and pretty, and was being funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a worker. So, uh, she was stable for a little while. I wanted to run in and talk to my team and let them know what was going on. So I went into the office for a little while, came back and some, they had, um, uh, I don't I think they had sedated her a little bit for an MRI or something like that. And, um, when I got back and saw her again, she was very subdued and never really got back to the same level of consciousness that she was earlier that morning, but they moved her to ICU and, you know, and she was talking and, you know, her parents were there and we had some family and stuff. And, um, you know, I remember kissing her and, you know, it was time to leave and going home. And so I talked to them. I had the boys there. I lined them up on the couch in height order and I'm telling them what's going on. I'm like, okay. Um, the boys, you know, the boys are nine, seven and four, right? Nine, seven and four. And, um, yeah, so I, I sit there and I'm like, hey, we're at the hospital. Your mom had a stroke. The great, the good thing is that doctors say, you know, strokes get better. They don't get worse. So, you know, where she is now is kind of the baseline. And, you know, moving forward, we should be better. We'll go see your mom tomorrow and, you know, send them off to bed. You know, probably we're probably scared as anything. But, you know, it's, hey, things are going to be fine. We'll see you in the morning. And so you know, I had been going all day, all day, all day. And I was asleep. I got a call at like three in the morning uh, from the hospital. And they told me, um, your wife's stable, but you need to come in. And I think back on it now. And the whole, from that call, the whole 20 minute drive to the hospital, I never even thought that anything could be wrong you know they told me hey strokes get better and they waited they said everything on the phone and probably i just was didn't want to hear anything bad was happening so i just drove to the hospital you know went up to the floor and when i walked into the room and the doctor was sitting there with a box of tissue um which now in retrospect if you ever see that that's a bad sign mm-hmm. um you know doctor said hey you know the doctor's the, waiting uh, for you doctor is waiting for me that's when i get there. also a bad sign and <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, a blood clot or something had loosened and it kind of lodged in her brain. And they're like, you know, right now we're not seeing any function. Um, you know, first thing in the morning, we're going to run some tests, but basically, uh, you know, she was brain dead. And so, you know, I went back home. Uh, oh my God. You know, so wait, how, how long are you there for? Like she's, they, they say that to you and then like, like, are you, uh, you see, it's just three o'clock in the morning. So it must've been like, yeah, I don't, I don't think very long. You know, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering, but I was like, you know, I was just in such a state like, okay, in the morning we're going to do some tests. Okay. Are you by, you by yourself I, the whole time? Like, like I was by myself the whole oh time. Oh my God. And, and, and I don't think even when they told me that I didn't get the gravity of the situation the next day when I got in and they were doing some of the. Uh, the testing they showed, and I'm not a medical person, the scan or whatever of her brain. And, you know, there was, you could see there was just no blood going through. I mean, it was like, that was the first thing that was really like, Oh, okay. This is, 
this is happening kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. So told the boys, Hey, we're, you know, once I found out they, they, you know, let the kids come up. And so they were able to see their mom. And I just remember they do some things. Um, there's something that's called the apnea challenge. Cause she was on a breathing machine and they take her off to see, can she breathe on her own? And I remember telling her, it's like, if you want to stick around, you're going to have to, you're going to have to fight right now. And it was just, yeah, it was, it, it just a day that I'm, I, I'm glad I won't have to, uh, relive. Again. Oh man. So, yeah. so sorry. I mean, I just, I think sure. about that and I just, I, I want to go back and I, I, I didn't, I mean, like so many of us probably didn't, didn't know that this was even happening, you know, and what, yeah. uh, so, and it's not something you expect either. I personally, myself have been no. through, been through, <laughs> Similar situations with family members with strokes, mm-hmm. and and you would not expect that she didn't have any any operations or surgical procedures prior. No, nothing. No, di- nothing. no, no accidents. Nothing with an impact. Not or- nothing at all. In fact, she had just had started going back to the gym about a month before, so you know yeah. she was working out and feeling good. And you know the the one thing that I I take uh, I take solace from is. You know, we're, we've all been married and had disagreements, and she and I had been, you know, had been upset at each other about something. And the night before, um, you know, the, the kids played in the pool. She came in. We talked. Everything was, you know, good. You know, everything was good. And, you know, I am just so thankful for that with what happened, you know, the very next day. So. Oh, they say never, never go to bed angry at your spouse. Always, yeah, always go to bed on good terms. And they are right. Yeah, I think my wife's gone to bed angry at me a few times. Well, same here. So my wife goes to bed and wakes up angry at yeah. me most of the time. So. Yeah, she wakes up angry sometimes. Well, anyway, I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but I, it's true. I think you know every day counts, and so yeah. then, so then, so then, John, you mentioned two days later, your son has a birthday party, right? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, Shannon had, the middle son, James, the cow, he was, his birthday was that, the 18th, that Saturday, and she, Shannon had set up the birthday party, All you know, his friends and cousins and everybody was invited, and, you know, maybe it was the West Point thing, whatever, you know, you don't, you know, you get up, you know, he was still going to have a birthday, we were going to have a birthday party. And so I, I describe it as probably the most surreal day of my life where I am sitting there in a bouncy house with kids running around and jumping over obstacles and eating cake and, and, and opening presents. And, you know, my spouse is in a drawer in the morgue. It was, it was just, it was hard to, it was it was hard to really wrap your head around that. Oh, and the other God. thing that the other thing that I found that just kind of struck me during the time is I remember driving home after you know after uh, she had passed away, and for me the thing was we were in our car in our little bubble and our world is completely shattered, and you see people in cars left and right of you, and you you don't know what's going on in their world, but I mean you're just like wow you know my life has changed forever, you know, 30 minutes ago. And these people are driving next to me, singing to the radio. And just, you know, it was, it's, 
it, it, a lot, you think a lot of things when that happens, that's for sure. You know, I think about that too. There are certain areas, certain places, I mean, the highway is obviously, that's that's one area where you talk about mm-hmm. like from person to person, we has such a different, you know, experience. But mm-hmm. I think about three places, air, airports, churches, mm-hmm. and hospitals. In any yeah. one of those situations, somebody could be having the best day of their life or the worst day of their life. And like, and, and then you get, you know, people that are just kind of rushing around like business people, it, right. like in an airport. It's just, I, I think about that. Like, like, you know, you, I, you know, when you're coming down, you're, you're touching down, landing on a plane, like somebody could be going to, you know, their daughter's wedding or yep. to a, you know, or a casket. It's right. below. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, I, I, that's deep, but <laughs> I don't know. Right. right. <laughs> so, but amazingly, John, I mean, you have, if anybody is setting the example of being a, a good father and, and just, you know, soldiering on, it would be the Abercrombie men um, who, you know, basically uh, I'm sure, you know, every day Shannon is looking down at you, the four of you and, and feeling so proud of what you've accomplished and what they're accomplishing. So that's, uh, that's great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. What a, what a, what a great um, example you set for, for all of us. Um, So, so we, um, we kind of jumped around here. We, we, again, we've, we've kind of, we always do off our chronology. It's hard not to, but let's, you know, going back, you're, you're, you're a company mate. You're in company C4 Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's quite a few celebrities. I will spare you all the yeehaw. <laughs> we had uh, Ralph Paredes on this as as well a few a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, great company. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so who who were some of the memorable memorable people or memorable stories from Company C four? Uh, obviously, Ralph is is memorable in in every way. My favorite memory of Ralph is, you know, he is a guy who has as pure and unchanged today as he was when we met him as a, you know, as 18 year old. And the thing I remember most is he ended up shredding his knee, uh, playing company football. So he was, um, in a big brace and he refused, he refused to not ping. He pinged in a brace every day. I believe I probably pinged to the, you know, to the graduation parade when the rest of us were like, yeah, okay, this is over. I'm just going to cruise on. Yeah. On the wall, pinging, going hard. And that's still how he is now. Um, Gosh, uh, Tom O'Donnell, I roomed with him so many times. And I remember going to tailgates at the, with the O'Donnell's uh, of football games where his brother Al would, uh, be responsible for pouring all the beverages for us since we were uh, obviously good cadets at the time and going home with him and his family. And we loved going home with him because his family ran a funeral home. And so we were able to make a little bit of money moving flowers around and just, uh, you know, Mike Ferrari, a wrestler, uh, my roommate, John Robin, probably my favorite story with John is during beast. We, um, we were going to some parade and I had my civilian glasses. I, I wore those a lot. I didn't always wear my, my Ted's. And so we were going to a parade. Well, John Rob sees that I have left my Ted's. And so he grabs him and he's pinging down to 
the to formation to give my glasses to me. Well, an upperclassman stops him and, you know, Rob, what are you doing? You know, and he's carrying his glasses in hand and tells him, put your glasses on and move out and get down to the parade. My eyes are not all that good. <laughs> so he's wearing so these he, things? He, he's, like, yeah, he wearing, like, he's like blind himself, right? <laughs> right, right. And, uh, yeah, so that was probably my uh, probably my funniest uh, recollection of Beast, him pinging around in glasses. I'm surprised he didn't break a leg and Coach Young, you know, want to string me up or something but yeah we we had a we had a pretty good time i, I see uh lisa lisa woodman rumbles was one of your yeah. classmates too right she was on the yeah. podcast before yeah. she was commenting about our uh talking about the uh bus trip she said oh my god you guys these <laughs> the buses so yeah um a good group of guys yeah, yeah and dan suchek was also in your in your yeah. company right yeah, Dan and I were from the same congressional district. We were nominated for the oh, okay. same congressman. Right. So you have Jersey guys. Yeah, Jersey guys. Yeah, although he's in mm-hmm. he's in North Carolina now. I think he's like a state senator or something. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, doing some political stuff for a while. So. Yeah, and Frank yeah, I Borsma. I haven't seen him in a while. Frank Borsma. Yeah. Frank was yeah. my uh, design partner, and uh, we we uh, for uh, first a year our um, capstone course in computer science. He was my one of my. Yeah, and Frank and I caught up again. We were uh, together at Fort Bragg after, you know, at, uh, during our captain days. So that was fun. Yeah. You said you've got some memories, too, of Bill Hacker, right? Because you guys went to OBC together? Yeah, we were at OBC together. And I didn't really know Bill all that well at school. But uh, I remember me, Bill, Carter Rogers, uh, a few other folks. Uh, when, you're, when you go to Fort Sill, Mears is a big uh, restaurant. It's I don't know twenty miles away, and it's a steak joint where if you eat, you know, this seventy-two ounce steak or whatever, I, I think you might get it for free. And you know, just long trips out there. You know, hanging out, talking to Bill. And, Was he know, married I, then? I don't believe so. I think we were all still single at the time. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, I don't think I ever saw him at. Uh, at Girdle Stones or any of the other places that people used to go, but uh, I, I think he was still single. Yeah. FA OBC used to make a really good time. I, 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 quite a few of my company mates went to FA. And it, well, was it just being so long? I mean, I think we were there for like six months, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was. And there was and there was a lot of a lot of school schoolhouse time. So you weren't in the field all the time. You were able to go downtown and. Yeah, we had we had a, a good group of a really good guys there. Did you? I I just I remember seeing pictures that everybody they had a party like a bunch of guys. It was for <laughs> Halloween, and uh-huh. you had to dress up as somebody else's mother coming to the Halloween party. <laughs> <I don't>, <laughs> were you part I don't of that? Think I went to that. Oh one. my god! I I saw some photos from that. I just remember. Uh, I remember some photos of Troy Philburn. Um, all I remember is doing, doing like belly flops in mud and a whole bunch of things in stuck in a tree. That's the only thing I remember, but uh-huh. we, uh, we, we definitely made our, made our time at Sill memorable. And where your first, your first assignment was where again? Uh, my first assignment was at Fort Polk. Fort Polk. So, okay. So we don't even have to talk about what my class rank was. So. Beautiful yeah, so I was Fort Polk. Polk. You and Ingrid, Ingrid Powell was down there too, I think, right? Yeah. 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 
Uh, I think I was at Polk for actually only for about a year because the fifth, the fifth infantry division deactivated and we stood up again at Fort hood. So I was able to jump a couple hundred places in a class rank mm-hmm. just within a year. So mm-hmm. got a halfway decent assignment out of it. Yeah, Ralph, uh, Ralph Fredis was also stationed at Port, Fort Polk or he was going to go there at some point and he said that he was talking about it. there's nothing there it's kind of like Fort Leonard Wood Fort Leonard Wood there's like it's there's nothing for like 150 miles one way or the other but absolutely nothing there oh, it, it was speaking of Tom O'Donnell and so Louisiana is just a very weird place there in in New Orleans the liquor laws are basically don't spill your drink the rest of Louisiana, the liquor laws are so crazy. So uh, Tom O'Donnell came and visited me. He was coming back from Ranger School. And so it was a Saturday night, and we went to, like, just some, you know, there's only a couple bars in the whole place. So there was, like, this one kind of strip joint bar that you could kind of hang out in. So we went there, and we're drinking, and we're catching up, nothing crazy. And all of a sudden, um, they're like, last call. And I'm like, wow, it's 145 already? And we look at our watches, and it's 11.45, because in Louisiana, when they say you can't sell booze on Sunday, they mean you Sunday sell. starting at, like, 12.01. And so, yeah, we, we uh, caught, had a short night, but I would not go I, I would not go back to Louisiana if you held a gun to my head. So. Yeah. And some crazy laws. Like, well, you know, you know what's interesting? I mean, I— this whole thing with legalization of marijuana is interesting. You know, like like they're, we're about to legalize it here in New Jersey. Is it legal out there in uh, Arizona? It is medicinally. It's here in Arizona. It's legal, right? What's mm-hmm. it, I mean, there's got to be. There's uh, obviously you, you can't do it as a cadet, right? I mean, like right. you never yeah. could. Oh. Uh, but there's got to be kids that remember. There's that form you have to fill out. Like, did you ever smoke pot? You like, like right? And you have like this sort of like cadet X moment. Like, if you ever smoked it, you know. <laughs> Right. I would I would venture to say that at least half the class coming in has probably smoked it before. I would imagine, yeah. I, you know. I mean it's so easy. It's not I don't think that much easier to get, but it's just you know, it it's so much more accepted. I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know. I I, I th- this is something that they're going to have to deal with it, you know, because the military, yeah, the military is going to not let you do it yet. It's going to be legal in like all these different States. So, right. Yeah. And I, you know, and you can't, I mean, there's, there's not, I don't think there is any way to use it safely while being in the military. I mean, you just can't, you know, no, it impairs your judgment. Yeah. It's, it it yeah. can make you paranoid and make you make, make bad decisions and all the kind of stuff. But it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was reading a book about it too. The, the reason why it seems so acceptable is because there's such a huge financial incentive and there's a huge lobby now that's been created. So there's all these like pseudoscientific papers coming out saying how, how good it is and normal it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing in the future for the for the army to have to deal with. I'm quite sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you, I mean, because I, I mean, imagine you could have somebody who gets in at a later date and may have already, you know, because in Arizona you have to have a card registered with the state and all this other stuff. So it, you know, and for us in the insurance industry, I mean, uh, like for life insurance, when people are uh, applying, if they have a card, that's out there. 
and whatever condition caused them to get that is something that you you know you have to take into account. So yeah. I hear on the radio people are like special policies for people that are pot smokers. Like they're, they're actually, you know, underwriting it now. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. My crazy old man, he, he had glaucoma. He used to smoke it and uh, uh-huh. he'd just get high with his, with his uh, healthcare workers. Yeah. You know, I just, <laughs> I go in, I like go in and see him and they, they all be like whacked out. So. You know, it's, it's something that's pretty weird. I know someone suffers from COPD mm-hmm. uh-huh. and they're prescribed it. It actually helps reduce wow. the symptoms of COPD. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think you're inhaling smoke, right, that it's going to have more of a negative effect. But apparently, uh, I don't know. I, it's just it's it. You know, it's going to be a new issue for the future leaders of, of the military to have to deal with. And by the way, speaking it, of future leaders, um, I got yeah. a, I got an awesome email from. Uh, well, hold on. I'm going to ask what? you: CBD oil, hemp oil, yeah, I know. which is a lower. Below the legal limits, right. THC. It doesn't have any THC. CBD I, I does it, not. No, no. It's it's. There's two. There's two. Um, isomer and not isomers, but there's the there's receptors. Two, the two receptors no, no, in the no, brain. No, but but, oh, but the a, pot has like two metabolites. Right. It has THC, which gets you high, and CBD, which is more of a, of a pain. analgesic. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, my, my nephew got paralyzed in an accident probably like three years ago, and. He uses it for, you know, kind of like muscle spasms and stuff like that, the CBD. Okay. And, yeah, seems to have some, you know, positive effects. But I think it's going to be like anything. You know, well, as is, we is, get more and more data, some right. are going to say it's good, some are going to say it's bad. I mean, cigarettes used to be, you know, hey, you're going to breathe in deeply and, you know, all this yeah. crazy stuff that athletes do. Four out of five doctors recommend yeah. camel. <laughs> camel over, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, we, you have to learn about it over time. I, yeah. But once it gets legal, yeah. man, that, that, that train's going to be out of the station. and be so much money being made. There's no way to sort of take that back. Well, CBD, is that, oh, in, is, is that permissible in the, in the military to use CBD? No, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Might, I don't know if it would be. It might be. But THC definitely is not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, THC but, absolutely not, but. I, and, and I'm not a pro in either yeah. one. Well, so one I, thing that we're trying. <laughs> by the way, we've we've always tried to remain politically neutral on these uh, yes, on these calls. Yes. So I, I want to remain politically neutral. But um, you know, uh, you mentioned another classmate, uh, another one of our fallen classmates that you had some experience with was Janet Greco. So um, yeah. So was she in your company? She was. Janet was in C four. Um, it was Lisa uh, Lisa Rumbles. Woodman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, uh, Janet Greco and uh, Becky Dobbins yeah. were the were the ladies in our company, I believe. And yeah, Janet was just wonderful, sweet, sweet gal. And uh, I remember her going over to her house. She was lived very close to West Point, probably within thirty forty minutes, and going over there a few times. And her family was absolutely wonderful. And I I believe she was. Uh, at Bragg for a little while, and the last time I saw her, I ran into her at a at a Home Depot, and uh, just you know, sad, tragic. She was a wonderful person. Yeah, you know, I, I think she was an engineer officer. She was a topo guy, mm-hmm. a topo. So she was. At, I remember she was at Bragg. And she was in my OBC class, and she's also in my Buckner platoon. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah, she was yeah. wonderful, sweet, sweet person, and um, you know, we miss her dearly. You know, one of the 25 classmates who are no longer with us and they live through our stories, you know, and I, yeah. I, I remember also she was, uh, she, she was pretty, um, 
she's so, so positively spirited, like going through oh, infantry yeah. week and all that kind of crap. Like she was the one that you <laughs> could like, you know, I mean, cause it's tough to be, you know, a woman and, you know, with a 50 pound pack in, in the, in the woods for, you know, and mm-hmm. having to go. And she was just, she just, she just powered through it. She was just like, I'm yeah. going to get through this. So, um, so we yeah, miss, we, we miss her for sure. Back um, to your email. You mentioned you uh, received an email from somebody you started talking about. Uh, one of your, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, we have, we have, I think we have 15 general officers in our class and wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got two emails, one from, uh, two different emails from general officers. One was DA Sims, uh, general DA Uh Sims. And the other one was general Joe Ryan, both commenting about how much they love the podcast. Uh Also, also, I should also note both saying, they prefer to listen to it. They may not want to be on it because you know there's always like this, like like you know the official business or what. Right. We, we, we may get them both on. I think Joe was interested in potentially being on it, so that would be great. But um, I was supposed to have Mark Beer on like two weeks yeah. ago, but we had to cancel at the last minute. And you know, and I had Moose George, who's a general officer, um, and uh, uh, Becky um, Holly uh, Holly West, who's a colonel. Yeah. And, you have to be a little bit careful with people that are active duty, even though this is a kind of a private setting. You, sure. you just don't like. So I think that our classmates who are active duty are maybe there's a there's a tinge of um, reservation. <laughs> some of them have. Like, right. you know, they don't want to like have a story that's come up that's going to like reflect negatively on them. So we've right, got to be real right. careful with what we say. We, we want one of our classmates to be chief of staff someday, so we can hold off. That's I think okay. we're going to have that. I think we're going to have that. I mean, we've got you know we've got people are doing some pretty high level stuff. It's uh, yeah. it's really, it's really it's great like to see. John Braga doing some pretty good stuff too. <clears throat> yeah, John Braga. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's in a two star spot right now. I don't know. I don't, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, he hasn't put yeah. on a second star, but he's he's in a two star role. And um, John Richardson has been, you know, he's been. That's right. He was first one the first one to make general officer, and uh, once you make general officer, you move in all kinds of quick ways. So we should be seeing some people pinning on second stars. Well, I'm hoping we're going to get a, a con here pretty soon. Yeah. The, I think that the dark horse candidate for that is, um, because I think, I think it's going to pass us. Uh, I, ah. because, because I think we've, we're looking at, we got two class of nineties. It's probably just going to jump to 93 or 92, but, uh, Todd Wasman is a potential. Oh yeah. 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 Because he's a DCG. And that's a good spot that could potentially uh-huh. get that according to, you know, my sources, which is, you know, people talking about it, who knows? Right. Um, yeah, I think there's, there, there's, there's some probably, um, we're going to see some really, some really cool roles that people have. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It's, it's so neat seeing, you know, our classmates doing great stuff. So, uh, Speaking of great stuff and classmates, uh, is, is there anything you want to share? I don't want to jump off track here, but we seem to have throughout the uh, 16 or so episodes of this, some pretty unique stories come from some individuals of some pretty crazy things that they've done, as such as doing 180 miles an hour on a motorcycle. Yeah, that or, was Monique Washington. Yeah. yeah so. Or like getting getting hit over the head with a with a pillowcase full of books. Books, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> Stealing the army goat, the goat, yeah, ripping your ripping your finger off in the in the clock tower. Yeah, uh, yeah. is there anything yeah. that you Food can fights. disclose there, John? That yeah. Uh, what's, uh, a, what's your craziest story from? What, what's what's the nuttiest thing that happened in in your cadet career? Oh gosh, or um, or, t- <laughs> or what what your what your sons are doing too? We get some you know real time yeah, stuff too. Yeah. What's it? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave my sons out of it. They they are they they are living there. They're enjoy, they're they're enjoying their cadet time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, I was uh, I was probably not the most cadet with the most military bearing. I had a a few friends who lived in the area, and my I, my thing was I used to I don't know I used to probably blow posts. I don't know, a couple, it'll probably at least two nights, probably at least two nights a week. Wow. And back then, and back then they didn't have, you know, guards at, at the gates. So I would, after dinner, I would put some stuff in my, one of those little barracks bags, walk like you're going down to South dock. My, my friend, my lady friend would pick me up right when I came out of the, uh, out of the tree line and we would go and do whatever, around the valley mm-hmm. we would come in through stony lonesome you had to make sure you were in by eleven fifteen before they shut the gate and as long as you could get in by taps you were you were good to go so you know there any was a clo- lot of any close cars calls unmarked. any close cars or uh, like a uh, flat tire <laughs> where you might have to you know hightail it back or something crazy like that actually it lucked out never never had anything real crazy and uh you know None of my slugs were ever for that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, got, class, I got lucky. It was the class cutter. Yeah. So <laughs> got, uh, you walked eighty-five hours. Your big slug was for uh-huh. missing a missing missing grading some other company as a training sergeant or something. You got twenty-five. Right, right. That's a big slug. Yeah. For that twenty-five and twenty. You got for that? No, I'm not familiar. Slug. What, what is the? It means, the you, you, it means you're walking the area. So twenty-five and twenty means twenty-five demerits and twenty hours on the area. Twenty hours in the area is right. a lot. Like for a yeah, single three slug. weekends, like yeah, basically lose like a month or something like that. Yeah, we you know the 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 tax in our in our uh, battalion were pretty serious. Our our tax was a guy named uh, Captain Pope, and ask any cowboys that guy was just from Turkey, North Carolina. He was an interesting interesting guy. Did he make and general? Then, I don't think he. I don't think he did. Hold on. The so other I'm guy who search- may have was in B4, a guy named uh, Captain Bagby, or as they called him, Captain B-A-G. And uh, he was just a stickler on the rules. And so, you know, I think, I don't know if I had a battalion board or whatever, but yeah, I got, I got probably maxed out for it. And, you know, hey, when you're being a knucklehead, you take what you get and <laughs> you just move on. So, yeah. One of the guys that was a that's not it's not general it's not Captain Pope. One of the guys that was a tack officer, made general, and then just got then got run out of the army for sexual abuse. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember who that was. So I mean, if some of your members that pop it into the uh, comment feed here, but one one of so somebody somebody did that. Somebody got in some some big trouble. I can't remember who it was, but they were they were forcing some sexual. Pr- performances of uh young younger female officers or something and, mm-hmm. and yeah it's, it's a big deal i i, I, just, I remember the name because i remember he was attacked so wow. i forget who it was though so yeah I, i'm 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 rereading your your story about uh so you're working with gavin frost on your engineering project when you yeah there. so yeah gavin and i had a big project and you know, it was it was just like everything else. You know, there was it was a long week. It was a busy week. We had kept pushing it off, and uh, you know, the the project was due that Thursday, and of course, we still had some stuff we had to do. And 
I remember we're there in his room and we've got our, you know, big old chart paper laid out and we're moving stuff around to make the, make the project work. And I looked up and it was, you know, I think everything had to be done. You know, you had to be done by whenever AMI was over and looked up at the clock and was just like, no crap. And, you know, and I figured, okay, yeah, mess up. They're going to get, you know, max points and that'll be kind of the end of it, you know, get smacked around a little bit, but no big board and, you know, back on the area. But yeah, overall, I, I never got, I never got the alcohol slug that I probably deserved. Um, and so I was pretty happy. Oh, so, oh, oh, you, you talked about, um, uh, crazy things as a cadet. So I remember you, know, you if you didn't don't know this, if you cut one of the mattresses down at the bottom, you can actually fit um, a fifth bottle between the springs of an old cadet mattress. And so I um, I had a little you know, some libations there just for you know when when needed in the, and in someone, the mattress. Okay, in the mattress. And I remember someone came in, and it was one of those days where you had to break down your bed, and they said, wow, your bed is really hard right here. And they kind of looked at it and picked it up, but you had the old mattress covered. I'm like, yeah, it is kind of hard right there. I, you know, it just, it is. And so avo- avoided anything it's there. It's defective, but, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, so we could always, we could always have a uh, – a little, a little drink in the evening if we needed. And I also remember there was, I can't remember who, but someone had a little cigarette rolling machine. And so I remember, uh, hand rolled cigarettes and like, you know, and whiskey at night. So uh, sometimes as a cow. So, yeah, Scott Clemens just said, prepsters are so resourceful. <laughs> it's true, you know. The pressures came in; they just always, they always knew what to do. You know, they always had like they, they had that like, that year of like kind of badassery, like before they came in. Yeah. So. Yeah, prep the prep school, absolutely phenomenal year for a you know for so for a high school person coming in because you were making you know at the time it would have been real money. Um, you know, nothing that you did at the prep school was so hard that. Uh, you had to spend too much time and it was back in the day when it wasn't at West Point. So you were basically on your own every evening and whenever the power went out, you would, people would be going off post to the nearest, uh, to the triple S and bringing supplies back to the barracks. That's awesome. So John, we're, uh, as I told you, the time is just going to fly by like so fast or we've been talking for like an hour and a half. And so oh, we're wow. kind of winding things up here. Um, so as, as we kind of think through, you know, the, I mean, your, your journey has been, um, an amazing one, uh, a difficult one, having lost your wife, raising three boys, yeah. having them all go and following in both of your footsteps and becoming army officers. Um, any any kind of parting words of wisdom or, or thoughts or reflections, things that you would do differently or things that you would uh, double down on as you as you think about to leave, kind of leave with our classmates? Yeah, the only thing I would say, I mean, everybody's journey is different. Um, I was probably much more focused on, you know, how much money was I going to make and how, you know, other things. Uh, before uh, Shannon died, 
And, you know, now I, I think I focus a lot more on just family and, you know, those relationships that are, you know, that are most important to me and the folks who are going to, you know, always going to be there. I tell my employees, you know, pretty matter of factly that, you know, on the day you die, your inbox is going to be full. You know, that's just, it's just a given. That's how it's going to be. And, the, and, and you're going to be replaced. So, I mean, you know, be, you know, I, I like to think of being irreplaceable to the people you're irreplaceable to. So, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's, that's about uh, it. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that perspective. And thank you for, thank you for joining us tonight and being on this old grad podcast and, and being such an awesome example for, for all of us in terms of being a, a good person, a good father, a good citizen, uh, and, uh, and having such a great perspective and grounding for us. So thank you well, very Jamie, much. I appreciate, I just appreciate, appreciate you asking me. And, um, you know, as I get older, I love catching up with, the, with our classmates and just, you know, I like being part of this class. And so anything I can do to contribute and help and just, uh, you know, help us stay together, I'm more than willing to do it. So thank you. Well, thank you. And, and speaking of contributions, uh, we'll finalize by saying, you know, the reason for this is we've got four primary reasons. It's number one, to remain, continue to remain connected to each other through, uh, through, through our relationships and to foster the connections, to remember our fallen classmates, which we've done tonight talking about Janet and talking about Bill Hacker, um, mm-hmm. to connect closer to the activities of West Point and to, um, and to be able to connect uh, to what's going on there. And finally, to celebrate the accomplishments uh, of our classmates and where necessary to lift them up. And so, uh, John, thank you for thank you for being on the on the call tonight. Thank you for setting the example for us. And duty shall be done. John, thanks for calling. Hang on one minute. We'll be right back with you. And Jamie, let everybody know, please, where they can catch this podcast on Podbean. It's on Podbean. You you, you download the Podbean app, and then you look for Old Grad Podcast, and uh, you'll find all the fifteen episodes that are on there. And you can also listen to this uh, in two parts tonight due to the Oscars interrupting us uh, on Facebook. First part should be available. This second part should be available momentarily after we sign off. And what about the future schedule? What's the uh, broadcast looking like? Uh, I need to post it on Facebook. I, I know I've got conversations going. Anthony Noto is going to be on this call. Um, this Doug McCormick is going to be this call. We're going to have Mark Beeger and Paul Smolchek. Uh, those are four people we've got lined up here in the next coming weeks. And so um, looking forward to, to getting a chance to talk to all of them. Okay, very good. Everybody, thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time on the Old Grad Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.